to follow Jesus. It's an important thing for us to consider. We have a new sermon series that begins today on following Jesus. Our new sermon series is intended to help us find out what that means. What does it look like on a daily basis? Because you don't just follow Jesus on Sunday, right? Everybody understands that. You're following Jesus as a lifestyle. And what does that look like? What does the Bible have to say about this? I want to welcome those who joined us by way of the internet. and We are so thankful that you've become part of our listening audience. There's a listening guide that's right there uh, on the internet that you can download. And you can use that, you can print it out, or just follow along there online and uh, study God's Word with us. We're so thankful for you and ask that God might bless you as we study the Word of God together. So what does it look like? What is a Jesus follower? Let's break that down and make it simple enough for a child to understand. I'm reading from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4, and if you'd like to open your Bibles there and follow along with me, just a brief passage of Scripture where Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee, and he's calling his disciples to follow him. I was thinking about this uh, this week as I was studying and preparing, and I thought, how many different words do we use to describe a follower of Christ? For instance, disciple. That's a word we use. We use the term believer, right? We use the term child of God. We use the term born again. We use the term save. All of those terms can be used interchangeably. They all essentially mean the same thing. So to be saved is to be a disciple. To be a disciple is to be a Jesus follower. To be a Jesus follower is to be a child of God. To be a child of God. So all of those terms are used interchangeably. And so we might throw those terms out, and you'll know exactly what we're talking about today. Okay. Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 18. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. This was their occupation. This is what they did day in and day out. They were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Then, listen to this, immediately they left their nets and followed him. Uh, That's a pretty powerful statement. To lay down your vocation and follow Jesus. Must have been a pretty significant call to follow him. All right, continuing, 
verse 21. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee, John his brother in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, because they were fishermen too. And he called them. And immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. Now, I have some observations about this particular text that I'd like to share with you this morning. Just some things that help us to understand what the text means, what it's talking about. First of all, I would point out that it was while they were fishing that Jesus called Simon and Andrew to follow him. And then James and John, is while they were doing their normal everyday activity. So they were doing what they normally did every day, and Jesus stepped into their lives and changed everything. It is while you are doing your normal everyday thing that Jesus has a tendency to show up. And he steps into your life and he issues you a life changing call. If you claim to be saved, then here's something we know. You will never, ever be the same again. So, while they were doing their normal, everyday task, Jesus stepped in. Same thing happened to James and John. Notice that all four fishermen immediately left their fishing and followed Jesus. I'm struck by the immediate response of obedience. I mean, that word just kind of pops off the page. Immediately, they didn't sit around and negotiate and say, well, should I do this? Hey, this is the creator of the universe, the Messiah of Israel, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. You don't negotiate. You follow. You don't say, well, I've got a few things I'd like to take care of first. Immediately. They didn't even have to have a discussion among themselves. Well, should we do this? They jumped right in and followed Jesus. Do you think he still expects that response today? So they followed him. We'll talk more about what that looks like in just a few minutes. I'm also struck by the fact that they left their father. Did you see that? Let's look at it again. Verse 22, And immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Now, what does that say? It says there is no other relationship on earth that can take the place of your relationship with Jesus. No other earthly relationship can substitute for your relationship with Jesus. 
Yes, we have strong relationships. We have husband-wife relationships that are close. Some of the most intimate relationships. We have parent-child relationships that are so strong. The bond is there. It's a lifetime bond. But not even that can replace your relationship with Jesus. Because you see, a relationship with Jesus transcends time. My mom can't take me to heaven. Only Jesus can do that. It's an eternal relationship that we're talking about here. Eternity is at stake. No other relationship can replace that relationship with Jesus. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, no matter how you search, how diligently, how intensely, how intimately, how passionately you search, you will never find the relationship you're looking for. If you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, nothing can fill the void in your heart. You need Jesus. You and I must be followers of Jesus Christ. That's what we were designed by our Creator to fulfill. He designed us for this very thing, to spend an eternity enjoying God, delighting in Him, loving Him, worshiping Him. That's what He created you for. And no other relationship, no earthly relationship can substitute for that. I think the disciples had a glimpse of that when Jesus called them to follow him. So, what is it about Jesus that would make the disciples and us want to follow him? What is it about him? Well, first of all, Jesus, his name means God saves. Is there anybody here this morning that needs to be saved? Because Jesus is the one who can do that. He is the Son of God. Matthew 3.17 says, And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. He's the Son of God. This is not just a spiritual leader. This is not just a historical figure. This is the very Son of the Creator of the universe. This is the Son of God. This is Jesus. And we must follow Him. Who else should we follow? We should follow Jesus. Secondly, He's the demonstration of God's love. Everybody's looking for love in all the wrong places. 
But Jesus is the demonstration of God's love. Romans 5, 8 says, But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Do you want to see how much Jesus loves you? Take a look at the cross. He loved you so much He was willing to die on a cruel Roman cross to pay for your sins so you could be reconciled to God and spend eternity with Him. So you and I could be forgiven and we could know the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of our Heavenly Father. He's the Son of God and He's the demonstration of God's great love. And He is the sacrifice for our sins. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake He made Him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is a powerful verse that has the gospel all wrapped up in it. And what this verse says is that God made his own son the sinless son of God who had never known sin never done sin, never even thought about sin. He'd never committed a sin. And now he's hanging on a cross and God took the sin of the world and dumped it on his son. The sin of all mankind dumped it on his son. He made Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin for us. And what does God do with sin? He punishes it. The Bible says he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. So he released his wrath against sin in his son on the cross. He punished Jesus for your sin. Then he took the perfect righteousness that Jesus had achieved. Let me tell you what that means. It means that for his whole life, Jesus always did the will of God perfectly. He was perfectly obedient every single time. He fulfilled all the law of God. Every requirement that God ever had, Jesus fulfilled, and he did it perfectly. The reason he could do that is because he's the Son of God. And he did that. So the Bible says he fulfilled all righteousness. So now Jesus has all this righteousness that he has accomplished through his obedience to the Father. And he's willing to transfer that righteousness, his perfect righteousness, to you and me. God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf so that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. That's the great exchange. Why should you follow Jesus? Oh my goodness! He's the sacrifice for our sins. He made it possible for you and I to be righteous in the sight of God. He made us righteous before Him. All that stuff that you never could do, Jesus did for you. You couldn't keep the word. You couldn't keep the law. You couldn't obey God. Even with your best day, you couldn't do it. You and I just do not have the capacity 
to perfectly obey God even once. That's why Isaiah says, all my righteousnesses are as filthy rags. All of my efforts amount to zero. And if you took all the efforts of all of mankind, the very best that mankind can offer, and you piled them up in a pile to offer to God, he would still declare them filthy rags. Because deep inside, the very best I have to offer falls short. And I need somebody to step in and do for me what I could never do for myself. That's be my righteousness. Jesus did that. He did that for us. He became the sacrifice for sin. Why should I want to follow him? He was raised for our justification. Romans 4.25 says, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised again for our justification. What this is saying is simply this. When Jesus hung on the cross and God made him to be sin for us, and then he released his wrath against Jesus, he punished Jesus at the cross so fiercely that Jesus, the Son of God, died on that cross. He went to a grave. And to prove to the universe that God had accepted his sacrifice on our behalf, he raised Jesus from the dead. That's the proof that you and I have been justified. This term justified is a Christian term, but it's not easily explained. Let me give you a simple definition. Justified. This is what God did for you and me, justified, just as if I'd never sinned, justified. Basically, what God did was he looked at you and me and he said, I declare you not guilty. On the basis of what Jesus has done at the cross, I declare you not guilty. And I give you the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And now you are suited for heaven. Now you can spend eternity with the Lord. Why should I follow Jesus? <laughs> Do you need any more reason? Only a fool would look that in the face and say, I don't want to follow Jesus. He became a sacrifice for our sins. God raised him from the dead for our justification, just as if I'd never sinned. And God looks at you and me, and it's just as if we had never sinned. Finally, he gives us new life in him. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, there's another term for following Jesus. To be in Christ is to follow Jesus. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a 
new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, the new has come. He's given you new life in Christ. That's what you receive when you become a Christ follower. When you commit your life to Jesus Christ, you get His life in you. His life replaces your death. Because before you became a Christ follower, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And if you don't become a Christ follower, then God has to judge your sins in you. When you become a Christ follower, your sins are already judged in Jesus Christ, and you get the righteousness of Christ, and you get eternal life, and you get forgiveness forever, and you get a home in heaven, and you get the peace of God, and you get the indwelling Holy Spirit. Who wouldn't want that deal? Why should you become a Christ follower? He gave us new life. New hope, a new destiny. So what does a Jesus follower look like? A Jesus follower, by definition, is an individual who is called into a relationship with God through Jesus. And I want to make this very clear. This is an individual response. You don't get saved by coming to church. You don't get saved by offering, putting an offering in the offering plate. You don't get saved by taking the Lord's Supper. You don't even get saved by being baptized. You don't get saved by doing good stuff. You get saved by committing your life to Jesus Christ. And when you commit your life to Jesus Christ, this is what it looks like. Become a Jesus follower. You're following him. This person is seeking to order his or her life to become more like Jesus. When you're a Jesus follower, you are seeking to put your life in line with him. You're not seeking your own, you're seeking his will. And so you seek to order your life and your priorities and your values so that you become more and more like Jesus. Let me just say this. If you are not more like Jesus than you were a year ago, you better figure out whether or not you're really saved. Because you have the Word of God and the indwelling Holy Spirit urging you to do Christ-like things. And your first consideration in everything you do is, is this going to honor the Lord Jesus? Is this going to glorify Him? Is it going to please my God? It's the first consideration. Not how is this going to affect me financially, which is the first consideration a lot of people have. By the way, your first consideration is your God. Whatever you consider first is your God. So he's the first consideration. A Jesus follower makes Jesus the consideration. Please notice that the disciples who were fishing didn't first say, I wonder how this is going to affect us financially. 
I wonder how this is going to affect my vocation. I wonder how this is going to affect our family. The first thing they thought about was, here's Jesus, we got to follow Him. And they were never the same. Did they struggle? Somebody answer me. Did they struggle? Did the disciples mess up? Did some of them even deny Him? Did their faith fail sometimes? Were they sometimes disobedient? Were they sometimes selfish? But they kept following Jesus. This person is seeking to advance God's kingdom under God's direction no matter the cost. This is a Jesus follower. We're concerned about the kingdom. No matter what the cost. Notice that the disciples, it cost them their vocation. <laughs> you know, when, when you decide to follow Jesus, He determines what you're going to do with the rest of your life. Not you. He does that. And you'll come to some bumps in the road. And he'll be right there with you. To help you through it, to help you over it. He'll help you to do the right thing. He'll help you to make the right decision. If you're a Jesus follower, he's going to be right there to help you. And you're going to advance the kingdom of God. You're concerned about the kingdom of God. You're concerned about other people knowing this Jesus whom you follow. He affects your life in such dramatic ways that you can't help but talk about Him. You talk about Him all the time. I mean, people are going to look at you and say, you're a Jesus freak. If they're calling you that, praise God. Because <laughs> all you want to do is follow the Lord. You want to advance the kingdom of God. You want to do the things that are going to make for God's kingdom expanding. That's your concern. That's what it means to be a Jesus follower. You're advancing the kingdom of God. Notice Matthew 6.33 But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek first God's kingdom, and all these things will be added to you. So if I'm a single adult and I really want to be married, and I'm just so anxious to meet the love of my life, my soulmate, and I'm searching on the internet, and I'm joining all the dating sites. And what are the changes that are going to occur in my life when I start seeking out that person that I think is going to fulfill all my dreams?
my counsel to single Christians and seek first the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added to you. If you put the Lord first, if you seek God's kingdom first, if you seek the Lord, if you put Him first, He will bring to you what you need. If you seek your own agenda first, you may end up in a disastrous relationship. Seek first the kingdom of God. It's one of those basic principles of Jesus' followers. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Yes, every relationship you need, every finances you need, all the housing you need, whatever you need will be added to you. This person must disengage from self-advancement. Or in our culture, that is so tough. Self-advancement. Promoting my own agenda. But as a Jesus follower, I want to be promoting the Jesus agenda. And so the words of the Apostle John are very appropriate. He must increase and I must. Say it again. He must increase, I must what? Decrease. It means my plans and my agenda come second to what God wants. My plans and my agenda are pushed to the side. I must decrease. He must increase. And I believe if I went around and asked each one of you individually, do you want Jesus to increase in your life? You would say, absolutely, I really do. But the process for that means you must decrease your selfishness, your self-will, your self-gratification, your self-determination. All has to decrease so that Christ might increase. And that's what it means to be a Jesus follower. He must increase. I must decrease. This person must follow Jesus in the culture in which he or she lives. In our culture right now, there is an anti-Christian sentiment. It's like the culture has these values and these priorities that go directly in conflict with the Christian way of living with a Jesus follower. But I still must be a Jesus follower even if the culture is going totally against me. He put me in this culture. So I'm to live out my Jesus following. I'm to live out my faith in this culture. And that might mean I get criticized. It might mean I lose my job might mean I pay a price for being a Jesus follower. That's what he's called me to do. And if I'm a Jesus follower, it's not something that just happens on Sunday. It happens Monday morning at work. It happens in school. 
It happens in my relationships, and it happens in my banking, and it happens in my business dealings. It happens with every person that I meet. Jesus is the priority. I want to be a Jesus follower. I want His influence in every decision that I make. I want to be a follower of Christ, not just when it's convenient, but even when it's costly. Lastly, this person's personality, dreams, and abilities, skills, interests, relationships, and priorities are dramatically influenced by the person of Jesus. I want you to notice the disciples had their lives turned upside down when they became Jesus' followers. In John 10.27, Jesus said this. Listen, listen to this. Jesus said that. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. You get that? My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, they follow me. That's going to dramatically impact your dreams, your hopes, your ambitions, your abilities, your skills, your priorities, your values. If Jesus isn't making an impact in the way you live your life, you are not a Jesus follower. He affects everything. You can't just take a bite of Jesus and hope he stays over in the corner of your stomach. You can't just be a popular person and say, oh, well, I like Jesus. He's a good guy. I, I like what he stands for. He's, he's a good historical figure. Being a Jesus follower means he affects everything in your life. And if he doesn't, you better back up and check and find out whether or not you're truly saved. Being saved is not about joining a church. Being saved is not about doing good things. Being saved is not about knowing who Jesus is. Being saved is Him knowing who you are. Being saved affects every part of your life. He dramatically impacted those disciples. So much so that they were willing to leave their lifelong vocation to follow Him. How about you? You ready to follow Jesus? Some next steps for us. You all recognize these. Maybe some of you need to commit your life to Christ today. You realize, huh, I've known about Christ, but I've never really followed Him. Never committed my life to Him. I've never become a Jesus follower. Is there anybody here today that would say, uh, you know, I just realized today that I'm not even saved and I need to become a Jesus follower. Is there anybody here like that? If that's you, if I'm describing you today, would you stand to your feet? My assumption is 
Every one of you is now a Jesus follower already. That's my assumption. Based on your response. Either that or you're just shaking your head saying, I don't know what I'm doing here today. Okay, here's the second thing. Your next step might be to recommit your life to Christ today because, you know, the disciples stumbled and fell, didn't they? And sometimes so do we. Sometimes we make bad choices. Sometimes we make bad decisions. Sometimes we don't have our priorities right. Sometimes we're downright selfish. Sometimes we say things we wish we could take back. Sometimes we just don't know the way forward. I'm telling you, your next step is to recommit your life to Christ. That's the most important next step you could take. If you're already saved, that's the most important step you could take. Recommit your life to Christ. Perhaps your next step would be to become a member here at Eastside Baptist Church. I, I want to introduce you to our newest members. This is Vivian and Joseph Dewberry. Amen. <laughs> hey, do y'all mind standing up? Just just stand up right here. Just yeah. <laughs> y'all stand up here. This is this is Joseph. Turn around here and let these people look at you, Joseph. This is Joseph. This is Vivian. These are the dewberries. The Lord led them here, and they just fit right in, you know. And and they said, we'd like to be part of this fellowship of believers. And we welcome you in the name of the Lord. God bless you both. All right, y'all be seated. So that might be you. You need to make that decision to commit your life to this church family. And uh, that might be your decision. And I'd love to talk to you. I had a chance to talk to uh, Vivian and Joseph, and we'll have other conversations about how they can get involved and serve the Lord here. We want to help them to find that place where they can serve Christ here. I'll be glad to talk with you about what it means to be a member here at Eastside Baptist. Present you as well. Finally, some of you may need to be baptized, you know. Uh, I went through the baptistry when I was eight years old, but I, I wasn't saved. Uh, I didn't get saved until I was 21 years old and really, really finally realized that I was just as lost as I could be and I needed a Savior. Hard for us who grew up in church, you know. It's hard for us to realize we just need a Savior. But God was gracious to me and showed me that. So I was baptized later. You might be in that same boat. And I'd love to talk with you about being baptized. That might be your next step. And I'd invite you to share with us about that decision to follow Christ. We're praying this year that we'll have 21 baptisms. And I believe God will do that. That's uh, no problem for him at all. No problem. So uh, we're praying for that. Praying for Sunday school teacher and a tech person to help us out, and all kinds of things. You know, so we're praying about those things and asking God to work. Your next step, your next step is to make a decision. Would you join me as we pray? 
Dear Father, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for the Lord Jesus, our great Savior. We so want to follow Jesus, Lord. Help us to do that. Would you unstop our ears so we can hear your voice? And Would you just speak to us right where we are? You know exactly what we need. You know how to speak to us in ways that we'll understand, Lord. And I pray that you will speak, that you'll continue to protect us and provide for us and guide our steps. How we thank you for Vivian and 